0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City
1: on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive
0: podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrack, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, a show that helps you find and follow your bliss. On today's show, I'm delighted to introduce you to the actress who originated the role of Eponine in the Canadian premiere of Les Miserables. In addition to performing all across the country, Loretta Bailey is also a beloved teacher at Sheridan College in the musical theatre program. Also back on the program is holistic psychotherapist and author, Victoria Laurient fabish She will tell us how to cultivate internal stability to create joy and peace as we move into month seven of the pandemic. But first, let me tell you a little more about Loretta Bailey. Loretta Bailey is an extremely talented actress who has performed in major theaters all across the country and traveled to Europe and the Middle East to entertain the troops. An award-winning actress, she starred as Eponine in the Canadian premiere of the production Les Misérables at the Royal Alexandra Theatre, Really in an incredible run and unparalleled is what I actually wanted to say, her portrayal of Eponine. She has played as well Cinderella in Into the Woods with Canadian Stage and Maria in The Sound of Music at the Citadel Theatre. She appeared in the following original productions extraordinary with the smile theater this fall she toured jim betts lucy Maud, and anne and played marmy in a canadian version of little women produced by theater orangeville loretta and pianist michael mulrooney created on my own love that title a cabaret they performed at midland cultural center and the burlington performing arts center Loretta also collaborated with acclaimed singer-songwriter James Gordon and pianist David Warwick and toured romancing the song to various venues through the GTA. Loretta is an honors graduate of the BFA Acting Program at the University of Alberta, and she is proud to teach music theatre students at Sheridan and St. Clair College. In 2015, Loretta also launched the Lowville Festival with Robert Meissen and Barbara Anderson, which for the last six years has been committed to bringing beautiful arts experiences to the North Burlington community nestled in the precious Niagara Escarpment. I'm delighted to welcome Loretta Bailey to Finding Your Bliss. Hi, Loretta.
2: Oh my gosh. Oh, to hear <laughs> your voice and your laugh. Oh my heart. I'm bursting. And um I'm like, who is that woman?
0: <laughs>
2: oh, wow. <laughs> Thank we, you for that introduction. <laughs> oh, of course.
1: So, so worthy and so well deserved. Loretta, you played the role of Eponine in the Canadian premiere of Les Miserables for Mervish Productions. And I will never forget seeing you on opening night. And I've never seen an Eponine who pulled at my heartstrings the way you did and who we just loved. And I've seen the production many times in many different places. Loretta, what was it like playing Eponine in the Canadian premiere of Les Misérables in Toronto in 1989? Can you take us back and describe that experience for us?
2: Oh, my gosh. Um it's just even as you're saying the words of um, when you name it, <laughs> the production that it was an all Canadian cast that it uh, it just seemed to be I was living every part of my dream uh, I was telling the story of Eponine who when I read Les Miserables as a young uh, high school student I fell in love with her I. I just like there's the line where she's in Marius's arms and she's dying, and she says, finally tells the truth. She says, I'm afraid I was a little bit in love with you, Monsieur mm. Marius. Oh, I could cry. <laughs> I so you never know why, right? Like I was as far away from this opportunity as you can imagine. I'm a prairie kid. I was raised in, you know, with horses and <laughs> the wild out prairies, you know, and, um, The funny thing about Les Miserables, again, I was uh, uh, an aspiring theater student, but I was fixated on the music. So I was driving my little car around, you know, in the prairies, (laughs) (laughs) my heart out singing Eponine's song. Mm. So if I could just tell a quick story about it. I missed all the preliminary auditions. I get there. Uh, It's the last day. It's all the callbacks. (laughs) And um, they say no, no, you're more of a Cosette, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, for <laughs> Eponine, right? Long story short, they said yes, 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 but no, you'll sing for Cosette. Long story short, um, mm. I, I was a, an epic fail uh, with the high C for Cosette, and I started <laughs> to cry. <laughs> and they go, oh kid, 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 what do you what do you need here? Oh my god, oh uh, just relax, <laughs> and then. I say, well, I want to sing a Benin song. It's why I'm here. <laughs> oh. I'm weeping. And at the table, you have to imagine that Cameron McIntosh was the original producer and, and he was there. And, and the Mervishes and everybody. And I got to open my heart and it just, it was the most exceptional moment in time. But I could never have imagined where it would take me. I could never have fathomed the doors that would open and the wonder of sharing a stage in the most beautiful production of, uh, you know, the universe (laughs) with the most extraordinary cast. I was surrounded by the best of the best of our Canadian people. And I really struggled to keep up. You know, it's just like to get my mind wrapped around... uh, uh, being being best with everybody, but you know what what I knew is I knew that I loved the story, and I knew if I trusted in myself to tell that story and every day show up to tell her story, little this little human, this little urchin running around the streets mm, mm. that I loved. Um, I was always blessed by that opportunity and in good company. And it's a forever credit, you know? Richard Alexander, our director at the time, said this will no matter what you do, mm. this will remain the most important credit on your resume. Yes. And I kinda of think it is. Like it's weird. I I really do think it's one of the most profound opportunities that I had I was um lucky enough to have so
1: as you know Loretta and and I want to share this with our audience I love this so much. First of all, I saw it many, many times with you, but I even invited you to sing on my own at my birthday party. I'm not going to say which birthday. I don't want to date either of us, but it was a little while back and it was um, it was equally unbelievable, even sort of in my living room of my old co-op apartment many years ago. And great performances remain with you long after the production is over. And just st- seeing you standing, there in the Eponine costume, um, like a little waif, um, but so much pathos and so much love and so much passion. I don't think I've ever seen a performance like that. You gave it everything you had and everyone there was with you and you just, the whole audience was there with you and it just was an unparalleled performance. And uh, can we set this up or or have I done a good setup already?
2: (laughs) I think you said um, a beautiful setup. Um, I'll just add in this moment, Eponine is alone in the world and she's chosen to uh, protect and defend Marius. And she recognizes that he loves Cosette. And um, she's been tasked to deliver a love letter to Cosette. (laughs) And she's walking the streets alone and it's the only place that she can be with him. And that he is hers in that place this is her song for him
1: oh just beautiful i'm so happy to play a clip for you right now from the sick kids hospital benefit in 1989 at the sky dome with loretta bailey as eponine singing on my own in the
3: rain the pavement shines like-
1: Thank you. I love how you sing that song. And I will never forget the pathos and lovability, not to mention your gorgeous voice that you bring every time you sing this role. Thank you so much for that.
2: Most welcome. And thank you for the opportunity to once again live in <laughs> her skin. I got to just go there. Thank you.
1: Loretta, you've played every ingenue imaginable, as we discussed in the green room before the show, most notably Eponine, as we just mentioned. And you also played another incredible role, Maria, in the sound of music. What a gift to be able to play this role. And you have such a youthful way about you that it makes sense that you could play the role of Maria forever. I think you could play it forever. What have you loved about playing Maria? In the Sound of Music,
2: it's an amazing question. The role of Maria is—it's um, quintessential. Just want to take a step back. The first time my son, at ten, watched The Sound of Music, he. Was- Weeping, mm. and he said, "Oh my goodness, mom, that's a good story." <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, stories told, stories told. You know, um, the bottom line is, um, I was not an ingenue. <laughs> I, I had all sorts of children surrounding me, my own kids. What happened is, I auditioned for Maria, for Bob Baker, for Canadian Stage. And mm. uh, sorry, at the time it was at the Citadel, but I had first worked with Bob at the Canadian stage and you know it's a funny thing because he saw that I would I was the right fit for his production of, of Sound and of Music and I'm like but I'm old <laughs> I mean the only person older is Mary Martin for God <laughs> but you know what you know what her magic is why people it's timeless is is Maria is an angel walking on this planet her heart is entirely devoted to God and to serving God. And in doing so, she serves the people around her. Yes. And she gets into trouble and she causes problems. As they say, how do you solve the problem? <laughs> like, it goes <laughs> on. But, but it's her striving. It's her striving to do what's right mm. in the face of so much harm and wrong. And even standing up for the children, because the captain was so disengaged at that point, so removed from them. And so she cements, she, she's the love, she's the thing in between, the sk- the squishy parts. She's the fun, she's the play, she's irreverent when it's important to be, right? <laughs> and uh, the joy. I was listening to one of your podcasts recently, Judy, and, and um, your guest Elaine's, uh, if it's okay to, to quote from that, but she said, joy is all around us. Yes. We just have to choose to soak it up. So my sense of Maria and her journey, it's a profound journey. It's a true story. And would you believe after the fact I came across, I was gifted a record with the original Von Trap singer singing on an album. Oh. They came to North America eventually. So it's an amazing story. So I just, once again, for me, it's all about the story. It's all about the humanity and how I could see myself. My husband said something today that made sense. It's all about the little things. We're all doing a bunch of little things, Mm -hmm. bumping up against humankind or what it is to be human. And so I got the luxury in both those shows you pointed to. The story is already told. My job is to arrive and be open to take the journey because where Maria starts, you know, (laughs) in her wonderful way with the dance and then to that journey back to Mother Abbess to go, oh, my goodness, you know, and the Mother Abbess sends her. To live a life as a mother,
1: you you know you have such an angelic quality about you. I'm not surprised that you would play sort of this the angel character of Maria in the Sound of Music. And Eponine has that same quality as well of service, right? She's in great service to Marius and and to others, even at her own expense. And you you have that sort of um, lovely angelic quality but you. So I see why you were cast uh, in those two roles. Absolutely. And as well in the next. And Another beloved classic is Into the Woods and you played the iconic role of Cinderella. That's Stephen Sondheim at his best. And something very funny happened when the touring production went out West and your family came to the performance.
2: Stephen Sondheim is a genius. You see, Stephen Sondheim is interested in what the characters think about things and he's writing about that. So, but then it's married to genius music. Yes. And it happens on a beat and it happens in rhythm. Well, imagine to my surprise, because this show was in Toronto. It also toured out West. All my family came. But there's all these staircases. It was like a storybook, like really like probably 14 steps. And I had timed it down to the step as to how to stay on beat so I could start my song at the, as I came to the bottom of the steps and I flew onto the stage to sing, you know, he's a very smart prince, <laughs> but get my, I'm running down the steps. I'm so excited. My family's in the audience. I forgot to count. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> And, and there's, you don't stop. You don't get a rewind and don't First, like conducting and he keeps pointing and he's mouthing, but I can't see because of the headlights, (laughs) but I finally got my bearings. I thought, breathe,
1: (laughs) breathe. Breathing is good.
2: (laughs) It felt like an interminable amount of time. Uh, My family didn't admit that I kind of, you know, (laughs) But, but you know what I'm saying is that there's an example of me, um, Having the great gift of, I was surrounded. Marianne McDonald was a baker's wife. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, just, I, I don't even want to go there because I will leave people out, but Avery Salzman, the baker, on and on. Um, Dan Shamroy, and Stephen. Oh
1: my goodness. What an all star cast it was. My goodness.
2: No, it was too crazy, too beautiful. Kathy Michael McGlynn was the witch. Ugh. Oh my. So, you know what I'm saying is that it, it really was folding into something already brilliant. Damien Atkins was our Jack. Mm. <laughs> Mary Pitt was his mom. No, I could go on. It's too much. It's
1: incredible. It's so interesting because in all of these productions, you were surrounded by, and and you of course being the, uh, the greatest jewel, but, but surrounded by gems. Like, you know, even going back to Les Miserables with Michael Burgess and Louise Petrie and, and just on and on. And of course, Loretta Bailey. I mean, it's, 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 it's part, it's kind of like a who's who of Canadian theater <laughs> in your resume. It's quite fascinating.
2: Well, you know, I can if I just add Louise Pete, you know, like the, the, my favorite uh, moment of Les Mis as well was singing, you know, flanking with her, Michael Burgess. And, and our, like, like you know what? Yes. Oh. Thank you for a minute. That's chills. That's- I have the <laughs> chills. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I was there. So I remember I, and I never forget those moments. They're stored in my, you know, in, in this beautiful place, a, r- a role that is close to your heart, Bertha, from the one act two person musical called Extraordinary. You as we said, often play the ingenue. And in this piece, you were playing a 92-year-old woman. And that's quite a stretch, right? From playing, you know, Maria and Epanine and Cinderella. But this beautiful piece is very, very meaningful to you. And it was written by Jim Betts. Can you tell us about Extraordinary?
2: Oh, I'm so excited, to! Um, I know I'll run out of time if you get me started about Jim. <laughs> someone you have to have on your show because he's written more beautiful music than uh, probably is recorded in Canadian theater, music theater history, for sure. And he continues to write. And this is a gem. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it was originally written for Jim's mother Bertha and it was a surprise, they had a surprise birthday party and they had a little, they did a performance of Extraordinary which chronicles her life so it's it's Bertha at 90 turn, at her 90th birthday and uh, her younger self spend a bit of time together and Bertha, older Bertha never thought she amounted to maybe she never uh, saw through her aspirations to become a doctor and maybe her life didn't amount to much but you You know what Bertha did? She was the second ever chapter of Meals on Wheels in all of Canada, and she did that with teenagers. And she battled so much. But the the kernel of the story—it's a love story uh, because you're going to play a clip from that. Um, She ahead of uh, Jim's father. They lived a great, right life together, and he passed on. And then Jim came across um, indicators that Bertha had a life before. A Life Before Jim, who Jim is named after, right? It wow. was this romance of a, a, a young love that went to war and didn't return. So uh, there's this story of uh, reclaiming love. Jim was the artistic director from 2008 to 2017. He's still very actively writing for producing plays for Smile Theater Company. And they, they're theater.com, Check it out. <laughs> they're in the COVID time. They are providing online interface with seniors. Their mandate is to bring theater, bring art and beauty to our seniors. And I've literally traveled out to Manitoba and to be Alberta with Extraordinary, as well as throughout the GTA and into Ontario. Uh, it's a little company with wheels and Goodness sakes, somebody get up there and support these people because ah. extraordinary is an extraordinary testament to uh, people uh, that we should not forget about. And so, the story told by Bertha, and you're going to play that clip, is it's, for her, it's just an ordinary life. Yes. What's so extraordinary about me? Everything in my knowing, and I met her, and just because I know I'll run out of time, but. I had the privilege, the great privilege, to visit her newly placed in a senior's home. She was moved in with her sister, Edna, who I believe was 102 at the time. <laughs> and, oh. and She got a standing ovation and flowers. Oh. And, her, and her sister had dementia. Edna was not communicative, but they were both front row center. And at the end of the show, I went and sat beside her and she took my hand and she looked up and she said, I was there. I was the one who took her the telegram. Aww. Oh, you can never count people out. You have to reach them where they are. Yes. And that was my gift of extraordinary and Jim Betts and Tom and all the gang and the beautiful stage manager. They literally on shoestring budget, we go everywhere were needed. And that's been my great joy. And I did a tour of Lucy Maud and Anne, which chronicles the life of Lucy Maud Montgomery, and her little human. And that was astonishing. That was last year, last
1: fall. Oh my goodness, Loretta.
2: So (laughs) incredible. We're going to play clip from Extraordinary
1: called Anyone Can Change the World. Can you set this clip up for us?
2: Okay. It's the very first moment of the show. She's walked into the room where the people are there and she goes, welcome to my 90th birthday party. Oh, I love your hairdo. (laughs) And she pulls out her quilt. Bertha was a avid quilter and pulls up a chair and she sits herself down. She starts to sew while talking and saying hello to the people. But literally, this song is the introduction to the entire show, so why don't we hear it?
1: Wonderful. (laughs) That sounds fantastic. Let's have a listen. Stitch
3: by stitch, square by square, anyone can change the world. Row by row, quilt by quilt, Lives assembled, histories built Start with nothing, add a patch Contour, color, mix and match Any woman, even any man Can, can change the world Pie by pie, anyone can change the world Fork by fork, taste by taste, let no
1: To your voice forever, (laughs) Loretta. That was so beautiful. Thank you for that. Oh my goodness. That is from Extraordinary. And we're going to actually even hear more from Extraordinary at the close of the show. So, guys, stay tuned for that. Loretta, you and uh, pianist Michael Mulrooney created On My Own, a cabaret you performed at the Midland Cultural Center and the Burlington Performing Arts Center. Can you tell us, Loretta, what was so special and meaningful about that cabaret?
2: I can. Um, I had, uh, in in view of the festival that we created, we had invited artists like Rebecca Kane was there, all these beautiful. Oh. Artists. And I was so lucky. Ben Heppner came. Uh, Leona Boyd. We had crazy uh, cacophony of talent. Well. I think for me, it was about finding my voice again. And I wanted to call it interminable ingenue. But <laughs> the, fun <laughs> part, the fun part was those little gems. They're like, they're like the pearls on a necklace. I was able to pull into us into a performance opportunity that I shared with Michael, all the things I love. It's like my favorite things, you know, Maria thinks that, you know, all my yes. things. Songs and I got to uh, share that, and I and my friends all came. You know, that's the bottom line. And my family, my beautiful uh, family. I have my Eric, and I have Aiden, my son. Nina, Isabel, my my. You know, they're they're just um, such supporters. And I think on a level, I was hitting that road of feeling lost on a lot of levels, in, in terms of motherhood and all that that is, and 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 and. I, I think, you know, it's my kids that always remind me, I'm here to do this, that I gotta make it happen. Even when I don't have a job in I have I can create something. Absolutely. Michael Montruni is a gift. He's been with me since Lame is. He's the best accompanist for me. And you know, uh, I used to joke saying our show's called On My Own, but Michael's here.
1: That's right. (laughs) What a bonus. What a bonus. What do you love about performing, Loretta?
2: Oh, my goodness. Um, I love getting over the nerves and connecting. I I think I'm, I'm actually a very terrifyingly shy human. So I know it's hard to tell because I talk <laughs> a lot, but, <laughs> but uh, it's it's the connection I hunger for. It's finding this idea, uh, Tom Wood said once um, after our dress rehearsal, our first audience uh, for Sound of Music, he was very upset. He wrote a very long letter to the cast. And he goes, your job <laughs> is to touch every person at the room. Everyone wants to be warmed by the fire. So his point was, we were all having a love fest. We were so enjoying the journey and living pretend, right? I can imagine living that. But most important, that learning was everybody is joining me there. I'm not separate from that. They're walking that with me. So that's what I love. I love that I'm terrified by it like when we sang for Sick Kids Hospital and the Dome and like too many people, like 50,000. Oh my gosh, I I, I had, I left my body (laughs) in fear, but I came back.
1: (laughs) Boy, do you ever, you also have the most stellar reputation amongst faculty and students alike at Sheridan's Music Theater Program, where my daughter Lily is in third year, and you are (laughs) revered and (laughs) adored by students, including her What makes you such a magical and impactful teacher? To what do you attribute your beautiful teaching ability as well?
2: I attribute it to the beautiful mentorship that I experienced as a young artist. Like Graham Campbell, he took me under his wing. He treated me like I was already solved, you know, he treated me with respect. He nurtured what was good in me, what was working. And he and he threw in a few tips. Like sometime I might not be dealing with the business aspect well. He go, yeah, you're a little bit too honest. I don't feel my job is to tell any artist what it is to be them. My job is to invite them to play and to be on a level, unencumbered, to really be who they mean to be and express what they mean to express. I have, I'm so inspired. This next generation your lily included. It's just, it's off the charts. It's too beautiful. And I I get the sum total is it affects me. It nurtures and grows me because you know, it's a hard job to learn to do anything right. These music theater kids, they're the top of their game, the top of their craft. So they have to have the technology down, but they are artists that's what we're building with them. I'm not building. They are the artists. Well,
1: you're doing it together. You're doing it together and they're learning from the best. What is sheer bliss for Loretta Bailey?
2: Oh, that is a wonderful question. Um, my daughter and I were bouncing that, that question <laughs> around this morning. And uh, what she wanted me to know is mom... I, I see you gaining momentum as you round that corner, turning 60 shortly, right? <laughs> wow, it's a, it's a big number. And she was saying, I, I, I watch you getting stronger and more more involved all the time and gaining momentum. And, and she said, you know, you've given so much out. You're, you're always, you know, yang energy, you know, sending out love, sending out performances. She said, I'm watching you take more time for yourself learning how to love yourself. And so I actually, she's right. Like I, if you're looking for me, I'm on a hammock <laughs> in, the <backyard laughs> in these large maples and I'm kind of dreaming. I'm trying to, I'm not trying, I'm actually dreaming into future. What, what is it that I will do? I know I will perform. I know that's so intrinsic to who I am, but I I can't quite picture it yet. You know, I I was actually thinking of um, maybe Marilla someday, maybe, you know, what are those parts that everybody loves? Um, I see that in my future, but I also am open to new directions and I got a lot of energy for it. Mm,
1: Just wonderful. We can't wait for it. We can't wait for it all. Thank you for that. And I have to say, as a true actor, you know, not like sort of the, I don't know, the latest, you know, where everyone's on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everything. What I've always known about you, Loretta, is that you're somewhat shy and a private person. And so I'm not going to ask you, which I normally do at the end of these interviews, how people can connect with you on social media, because I know that's not your thing. No. What I am going to say is if you want to book Loretta as an actor, The way to get in touch with her is through her talent agency, the Talent House, or through Casting Workbook. And I want to thank you so much, Loretta. I have the chills for being (laughs) on this program, Finding Your Bliss. It's really been a true honor. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Judy. You're beautiful as always. Thanks so much, ladies. And your team rocks.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. We're going to go on a short commercial break later on in the show. We will be hearing another song from extraordinary and we will be meeting holistic psychotherapist, Victoria Lorient Fabish, who will help shed some light back in a moment.
0: Finding your bliss is brought to you by create Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting edge science from highly skilled doctors Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together.
1: We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM seven forty, FM ninety six point seven, and we're joined today by holistic psychotherapist Victoria Lorient Fabish. I'm so happy to welcome back Victoria Lorient Fabish once again to Finding Your Bliss. Victoria is a registered psychotherapist with over twenty five years of experience. She is a relationship expert, life coach. Author of two books. Her first book is Find Your Self Culture Moving from Depression and Anxiety to Monumental Self Acceptance. That sounds so wonderful. And her second book is called Connecting Rewire Your Relationship Culture. Her very skilled communication style fosters deep self-awareness to her clients, leading to change and healing, and her focus is really to disrupt multi-generational family patterns. She has a master's degree in educational psychology, and her influences include Eastern philosophies, which are the basis of her special brand of holistic psychotherapy. Renowned author and TV personality, Deanie Petty wrote the foreword to the book and says, this book would have made my journey shorter and easier. It will guide you through your family matrix into dating in the modern world, how to spot relationship dysfunction from the start, and finally lead you into healthy relationships and enduring marriages. Welcome back, Victoria, to Finding Your Bliss. I'm so thrilled to be here, Judy. (laughs) How are you? I'm great, thank you. And I'm so grateful that you're here in this new incarnation. The last time we met was in the studio. And here we are in in this remote um, new version. But it all is good. It's all just rolling, rolling with the times. So here we're going, Victoria, into month seven of the pandemic. And you have said that when we have lost our experience, external ways to be happy, it becomes evident how very much we need to cultivate the internal stability to create joy and peace. Can you explain?
4: Well, you know, I'm I'm really busy in my practice doing remote work, the Zoom, WhatsApp, whatever whatever way we can find. Sometimes, you know, their kids are at home, the the, the husband or the wife is at home, or the partners are at home, and they've got to be in their car. So they've got it. We're doing lots and lots of therapy in whatever way we can do it. And what we're finding, yes. what I'm really, really finding is they're like, ah, oh, you know, I used to find my joy because I traveled, or I used to love to do some retail therapy, or I used to, you know, love to, you know, hang out with friends friends. friends, go to parties, listen to music. Well, during the pandemic, none of that was allowed. None of that was possible. Uh, certainly not here in Toronto, people have been out of sorts. And I say that in a generalistic way, not everybody, but a lot of people really beyond out of sorts, find almost going into depression, feeling like, where's my purpose? Who am I? Even myself has gone, have gone through, like I've been cultivating a career in speaking and events. Oh, <laughs> poof, poof, that's not happening, right? Got to pivot, got to find other ways to get the messages out there to engage in life. And so what that really speaks to, Judy, in most profound ways is we need to pivot and look inward. And the inward is in terms of, you know, how do we cultivate stability inside and happiness inside? I take people through a lot of processes of rewiring, meaning really thinking in new ways about
1: life. Can you give me an example? Like what would be an example of what that would look like? Somebody has said to me,
4: you know, travel is the main way that I find my bliss. And I'm, and I'm looking at them and saying, okay, so that's not going to be possible for the foreseeable future. This was back in April. Uh, you know, th- that's not going to be possible. And she looked at me and said, well, I, I don't know that I can even, you know, continue. This is so depressing. So we started to do a journaling of really having that person listen to themselves. Mm -hmm. Because one thing that happens is the way to begin to cultivate your stability within is to develop a consistent habit of listening deeply to yourself. And journaling is one way we do that. Another way is to do, I love, (laughs) you're gonna think (laughs) we're crazy, but we're not, (laughs) talking in the mirror. You know, I love you. I appreciate you, you know, to yourself. I love like, so positive affirmations to self, acknowledgement of self. And then also, because I'm a holistic psychotherapist, Judy, it really is about looking at oneself from a more spiritual perspective. You're not this you know, really understanding that you are something beyond your body and your thoughts and your air and your shopping and your travel and your activities. You are actually a soul that is relating on a moment-to-moment basis with life. Are you paying attention to the moment-to-moment experience? Meaning, are you present? Are you here? Are you now? What can you find that's positive or even acceptable about the here and the now. You know, the people that have suffered a lot are the people that are uh, living alone during this
1: time. Yes, yes. I was going to ask you about that. What do we tell the listeners who are alone? This is very difficult. So they can't get hugs and they can't really have visitors unless it's in some backyard, socially distanced manner. That's very hard to do in an apartment building. Yeah. What do you say to those people that are really struggling with the aloneness?
4: Well, I will say, thankfully, we're in stage three here in Toronto, but worldwide, not so much. And so I would say that Find the other ways, which is the Zoom conversations, which is the telephone conversations, which is get a pet, which is, you know, a, a mm-hmm. little animal, a little cat, a little dog, or also go for walks, even if you need to do the social distancing walks and have deep and meaningful conversations where you explore at deep and meaningful ways with the person you're speaking with, not just how's your day going. Literally right. find those people, one or two people, you're count yourself lucky if you've got One or two people in that category that you can have deep and meaningful, heartfelt, uh, attention-oriented conversations. It's very filling. It's very, very helpful. Now, it doesn't replace a hub. And, you know, I'm sure people have developed all kinds of ways to hug people without giving each other COVID. <laughs> you <know>? Right, right. <laughs> you know, exactly. the distance. I wish we had the video on. I go, the distance hug, you know, where your face is completely <laughs> in the six foot direction of the other person's face, you know, you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, you know how we, we bump uh, elbows. I tell yes. my clients, hold the elbow there for 30 seconds and look at, look at each other in the eyes and say, my elbow energy is going into your (laughs) elbow energy and I am sending you deep love. And I have had people do that, you know, best friends getting together. And then of course the bubble, you know, we here in, in Toronto and Ontario, and again, that's not happening everywhere, but we're doing this notion of having a bubble of people that, you know, what the heck they're doing and you're trusting them. And so there's more of an opportunity for hugs, et cetera. But in the absence of that, we can do the deep and meaningful really listening profoundly conversations on the phone. And, yes. and, and it's been very yeah. helpful or on Zoom. It's been very helpful. But people have to pivot in that way because we're used to kind of going, hey, how are you? Meet you for a fair coffee. No, it's like, how's it going? And really listen to the answer and then inquire deeply, inquire deeply. And so when you said this, what I thought about was this, that says that I'm listening to you. I'm actually paying attention to the details, like I'm listening to understand you versus listening to simply respond.
1: Yes. Do you think, Victoria, that people are turning more towards meditation and prayer? And I'm even going to say prayer at this time. Are you hearing that more? Because sometimes you just, you know, you you need something extra, right? It's just not enough to have what you've always had. You've got to go to, you know, a higher place in some way to get some solace and comfort.
4: Listen, these are the times where we go beyond the shallowness of our being. These are the times where we know we don't have too many opportunities for shallowness in this pandemic. I really feel that we are feeling stuff deeply at a profound level. So, I got to tell you, whether you're religious or not, have a deep conversation or two or a 10 with your with a higher power, with the universe, with God, with whatever it is that floats your boat spiritually uh, that has increased for me. I'm a very spiritual person, but that I'm not a religious person, but I'm a, I'm a very spiritual person. And that has increased for me uh, big time, big time, because, you know, the not knowing that I think what people are really struggling with Judy are the not knowing, like, when's it going to end? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with the economy. I don't know. uh, how many, stores and restaurants are going to close. I don't know. Uh, Will theater come back? I have a Mervish subscription. Will it ever come back? I love theater. Of course. My daughter's a musical theater actress.
1: It has to. (laughs) Can I ask you, do you think that the law of attraction and the secret works? Because I don't know why, but I've always had this belief that this is going to be better by the end of the year, by December, that we are going to have a vaccine or treatment. This is just my own personal belief. But do you Mm -hmm. think that just believing this and being optimistic And hopeful if more people were to do that, that it might actually change the energy and create that kind of outcome. So, do you believe that there's a certain element of the secret that might be working if we use it?
4: Let me do full disclosure. I'm not a huge fan of the secret, but I'm a huge fan of the law of attraction. So, the reason I didn't like so much the secret, even though I thought it was a great opener, like a good introduction to the law of attraction, is they did a lot of things like you wish for a bike and a bike comes, you wish for a necklace and a necklace comes. I find that problematic in terms of what really the law of attraction what is the law of attraction it's called quantum physics but i cannot negate that the law of attraction absolutely will factor if we all focus on everything being positive and 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 healthy yes. and okay and return to some sort of you know people feeling comfortable whether however that may look uh yes I believe that's something we need to definitely do, and works absolutely.
1: What about worry? Because it's almost like everyone is walking around with sort of this uh, feeling, right? It's like sort of this wiggly in your in your gut, and it's an actual palpable feeling um, of worry and stress. Yeah. How do you shake that and just go, "All will be well"?
4: Well, you have to disrupt it. You cannot just let it take root because it's just going to take root in your being. And then, of course, all of the biochemicals of worry are going to be activated. So as soon as you detect a sense of worry, have the courage and the forthright self-awareness. That's why self-awareness is so important to go, oh, I'm feeling, name it, I'm feeling worried. Don't just go, I feel I feel weird. Mm -hmm. Get out of that word. That's such a nondescript word and name it deeply. I feel afraid and worried and then disrupt it with a statement like you actually don't have to feel that right now because in this moment, you're okay. In this very second, you are okay. And in this next second, you are okay. Disrupt it with a new thought, with a new way of thinking.
1: That's lovely. I love that. Relationships during COVID are difficult. What are you suggesting to couples?
4: So I have to say, I hear the gamut. On the one hand, I hear, oh my God, this has been the best thing ever for us all as a family. You know, we're not working, we're not crazy, we're not running around. We're spending time together. It's so positive. It's so healthy. It's so happy. On the other hand, I'm hearing, oh my God, I cannot deal with how much I'm seeing this person. I need out. And I'm like, get in a car and go for a drive, go to Loblaws, go to wherever you need to go, drive down by the water and get out of your car and look at the water.
1: So how do you create a date night in this new normal?
4: So listen, one of my,
1: (laughs) one of my clients,
4: you know, brought in one person from the bubble to look after the little ones because, you know, that's needed. Someone needs to come in and look up. But they, they had a bubble. They did the pre-creation of a bubble. They got that person to come and babysit the two kids. And then they went for a really fabulous drive to another part of the city. And they did get a patio. And they had a – it literally renewed their relationship in that one date because they were yeah. like – sick and tired of cooking sick and tired of seeing each other in the same way. It was like enough with this, but I'm like, you have options. You actually have the privilege of living in a city that you have options to do this. Um, when they don't have options, I would suggest going to completely different parts of the house,
1: what about dating during COVID? Oh. I'm feeling the most badly for the 15 to 28 year olds because it's just not even, it doesn't feel normal for, for kids not to be socializing the yeah. way they're meant to be socializing at this age. Marriages and weddings are being postponed, but what about those struggling with their ability to even have a romantic relationship during COVID?
4: I mean, it's not ideal clearly, although I will say you're taking the time to not jump right into bed or right into the physical and you're getting to know the person a little bit more through these zoom dates and also yes. through walks six foot you know like distanced walks and also maybe doing cooking together on zoom
1: smart that's very
4: smart Yeah, cooking together on zoom watch a show together on zoom if you're more uh, if you're older have some you know zoom sex uh, <laughs> if you're all you know if you're more you know if you're sort of in that place and and also the other thing is is that eventually what you can do is with these sort of socially distanced walks, end up in a patio. You can in some places do that.
1: Victoria, you have a double meditation CD, As Above as Below, which you says heals your inner child and it's a powerful visual meditation journey. Can you tell us briefly about it and how people can sign up?
4: Everything, everything really that people as adults are feeling not okay about is usually because of the hurt child within running the show in the adult world and sometimes ruining the life in the adult world. So let's heal the hurt child within. And I have in my meditation CD, well, in my meditation, you know, MP3 files is a beautiful visual journey to heal The hurt child within. And if they sign up, I think I've given you the link. Sign up. I will send them, uh, I will send them that link so that they can have that meditation in their arsenal of tools of self care.
1: That's fantastic. How are you finding your bliss during the COVID pandemic? And do you have suggestions for people on how to find their bliss, even Uh, in these times?
4: Nature, nature, nature walks in nature, bike rides in nature, communing with nature has been my bliss. So hug a tree because trees will heal you. I really want to say that the best piece in this is work on finding a sense of comfort within yourself. So that might mean that you are cooking as people are, cooking things that make you feel good, make you feel healthy. Don't stop exercising, please exercise, 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 and make sure that you're not sleeping too much or watching too much TV. It's all about balance right now. Good amounts of exercise, good amounts of connecting with human beings Mm -hmm. and good amounts of self-love, self-care, being a real kind person to yourself. That is, that is so, so important during these times. And also get some therapy. If that's what's something that you need, don't be alone on this.
1: Mm -hmm. Don't be alone. I, I highly recommend you as being that therapist to anyone because you're so wonderful. Are you going to come back and sing for us sometime? Oh, I will. I will.
4: I will. That is something that will happen. I don't know about right now, but uh, you know, I will absolutely. I want.
1: I, wa- I want to make that happen for sure. Woo! What is what is the best way for people to contact you for psychotherapy, Victoria Laurie, and Fabish?
4: So always go to my website, which is called visualizationworks.com, because of course, visualization works. So visualizationworks.com. And they can follow me on social media, on Instagram. Love you to come follow me on Instagram, Victoria Lorian at Victoria Laurian Fabish on Facebook. You also find me through Victoria Lorian Fabish. A lot you will find me through is Victoria Lorian Fabish and my website visualization Works.
1: Fantastic. You are so terrific and you're such a smart person. I, I, I really just always love talking to you and you're always welcome to come back. But next time I'm going to make you sing. Okay. That's, okay, that's we'll, a deal.
4: We'll make <laughs> make you sing with some preparation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you so much for being here today, Victoria. Always thank love you. having you on the program. Come back anytime to get in touch with Victoria. As uh, we just mentioned, you can go to Victoria's website, which, which is visualization works. Dot com. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss with the beautiful talent Loretta Bailey, who played the role Eponine in the Canadian premiere of Les Miserables. Back in a moment. We are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're here with our featured artist of the week, the extremely talented. And as you've heard, if you've been listening, the very lovely Loretta Bailey. Loretta, you played Bertha from Extraordinary, as we heard earlier in the hour, written by the incredibly talented Jim Betts. And we have a song from the musical called Glasses and a Smile. Can you please set up this clip for us?
2: Oh, wow. It's absolutely my favorite moment in the show. It honors love, and love is eternal, and it's always possible. I love that,
1: and I can't wait to hear this. And love is bliss. When there's love, anything can be solved. So very excited to hear this. Let's have a listen.
3: Glasses and a smile When he saw me, he saw glasses and a smile I'm not sure he heard a single word I said Of the book report I read Footloose in India by Gordon Sinclair Was he dazzled by my rhetoric Or the light on my hair? No Glasses and a smile He said later that my glasses and my smile Gave him butterflies and almost stopped his heart And from that simple start Nothing was ever the same We make choices We take leaps of faith And lives can turn in a moment And romance and forever Can turn on now or never
1: just love that Loretta that was so beautiful. Oh, I just love it. I no. I have to thank you again so much for being on the program and to really say what I realized during this whole interview is you are truly a treasure, a national treasure and we're and we're just so grateful you could be here today.
2: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to have the most fun I've had in too long.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Loretta. Thank you. Oh, wow.
2: Each week,
1: we spotlight a singer, singer songwriter, or a musician on the show. If you are a singer and you want to be considered to appear on Finding Your Bliss Radio, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. Also, we encourage you to visit our online magazine at www.findingyourbliss.com. And of course, for the latest and the greatest, follow us at the Bliss Minute on Instagram and the Bliss Minute on Facebook. I would like to thank all of my guests for being here today. A special thank you to Loretta Bailey and a special thanks to Victoria Lorient Fabish. Also, big thanks to our supervising producer, Mag Ruffman, production manager, Siobhan Kylie, PA researcher and editor, Haley Allegia, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. Sometimes angels are just ordinary people, who help us believe in miracles again. Always remember that in some way or another, you are somebody's angel, even if you don't know it. They love you and think of you, even if you do not hear it every day. Trust that there is love all around you, even if you can't feel it. You are not alone. And sometimes miracles are just good people with kind hearts. For all of us here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your
0: bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.